gotten out my LSB Bible uh, this time because uh, I want to give you sort of a different reading um, to some of this. We've been looking at Psalm 37, and the first part of the psalm uh, is broken up in sections, verses 1 through um, 12. Uh, or 11, and then if you'll note, verse 12 describes the wicked schemes against the righteous. And then in verse 21, the wicked borrows and does not pay back. And then finally, there's one other um, in verse 32, the wicked spies upon the righteous. Now, there's one other one that we find um, in verse 20, but that's about what happens to the wicked. They perish. The wicked perish in that text. So we divided it up into four parts. The counsel of the afflicted people um, that we find verses 1 and verse 2. We find it we're not to worry about the ungodly. Verse 3 and verse 4 that we find that we're to put our trust and delight in the Lord. Verses 5 and verse 6, we're to trust God and, and He will protect and promote you. Verses 7 and 8, we find our rest in God who deals with the wicked. He takes care of the wicked. And verses 9 through 11, trust that God will punish the evildoers and reward the meek. Last time we looked at verses um, 12 and following, and um, well, that's where we are tonight, is beginning in verse 12. The wicked schemes against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. I think we covered this last time. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow and cast down the afflicted and the needy to slay those who are upright in conduct. Their sword will enter their own heart and their bows will be broken. Better is little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but Yahweh sustains the righteous. Yahweh knows the days of the blameless and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil, and in the days of famine they will be satisfied. But the wicked will perish, and the enemies of Yahweh will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish in smoke, they vanish away. Now our text is starting in verse 21. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. For those blessed by him will inherit the land, but those who are cursed by him will be cut off. The footsteps of the man of a man are established by Yahweh, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because Yahweh is the one who sustains his hand. That's as far as I'm going to get tonight in this text. If you'll notice in verse um, verse 21, the wicked borrows and does not pay back. Um, he doesn't pay back his obligations. It can mean that. It can mean that the wicked um, borrow and literally don't pay back. But it's dealing more with charity, if you look at the latter part, of because he compares it, but the righteous is gracious and gives. So I think the comparison he's making here is the wicked, they borrow, they take, but they don't have charity in their heart. They're not the ones who, who give out of the abundance of what they have. They don't, uh, he, he cannot give because he has spent it all on all of himself. I've, I've run into people like that. You have, okay? Everything's about the life. In fact, I met a guy yesterday, and he's a mechanic. And um, 
he's got a son who graduated um, engineering school and, and at 21 got uh, a job making well over six figures. And money burns a hole in his pocket. Since he graduated um, in May, uh, in May, he has bought five vehicles. The cheapest of those is a $70,000 Mustang that's sitting in, in, in there because the transmission's skipping. Okay. Um, he built a $20,000 garage at their house, because, by the way, he lives with mom and dad. Um, this is mom and dad, and they let him put up a $20,000 garage to keep his cars in. And I'm talking about some, some classic. The other ones were classics. But he's got nothing to show for it. And he said, we were, we were, he was talking to me, and he said, we were, we were, my mom needed some help. And, and he said, well, I, I don't have it to give. I've, 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 I've used up all, all my funds. I, I can't do it. That's this text. The borrow, he borrows, but he doesn't. He doesn't pay. He doesn't give. He's not, he's not, he doesn't have a charitable heart. But here it is. The comparison is the righteous is generous and he, and he gives. Turn over to 1 Timothy 6. I mentioned this last time. We'll look at it probably a couple of times. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verses 17, and again, I'm reading for LSB, so it may sound a little different what you got. Command those who are rich in this present age. And again, the definition of rich in biblical times was if you have more food than you can consume in a day or more clothes than you can wear at one time, you are considered rich just by the standard of riches. So that's the definition of rich. Who are rich in this present age, not to be haughty. Or to set their hope on uncertain riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. It's a blessing of the Lord. I'm I'm thankful. The houses that you live in, the cars we're able to drive, that's all a blessing of the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. But, he reminds us of verse 18, command them to do good and and to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. That's the contrast we have here in Psalm 37. The righteous, those those whose heart are set upon the Lord, they're rich in good works. They're rich in being generous. They are characterized as being ready to give. Now, notice verse 22. For those blessed by Him will inherit the land, but those who cursed by Him will be cut off. The word for there means because. His future is secure and that the righteous are liberated and can be generous. That's what he's saying here. But those that are blessed by Him inherit the land. Those that that God has richly blessed us with, they are able to be generous and rich. But those that are cursed by Him will be cut off. There is coming a day that the Lord is going to cut off the wicked. He will. Look at verse 23. This is as far as we'll get tonight. Verses 23 and verse 24. For the footsteps of a man are established by Yahweh, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because Yahweh is the one who sustains his hand. Yahweh is that person who who secures us. Notice verse 31 as well. Um the law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. Talking about the footsteps of a man are established by 
Yahweh. The steadfastness of life's path is inclusion. These men that are righteous, God directs their steps. He establishes their steps. The word uh, footsteps there, translated another place, fixed, or to make ready, or to be prepared. Um, turn over, you don't have to turn here, let me just read it to you. Proverbs 20 and verse 24. Proverbs 20 Verse 24, the steps of a man are from Yahweh. How then can a man understand his ways? Yeah. God is the one who establishes our, our steps. He is the one who makes them fixed. He is the one who makes ready. He is the one who prepares. But who does he prepare? When does he do that? Latter part of verse 23, is him who delights in his way. The word delight means to desire, to be pleased to do, to have pleasure in. When I saw it, it reminded me of Psalm 1 and verse 2. Remember that? Psalm 1, verse 2. But his delight, his pleasure, his desire is in the law of Yahweh. And in his law does he meditate day and night. It's used again in Psalm 16 in verse 3. This smoke has taken my voice away today. Psalm 16 verse 3. And for the saints who are on earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight, he says, all my pleasure. Our steps are fixed, are made ready. When? When we delight when we desire to do, when we take pleasure to do, when we take pleasure in His way. So the question has to be posed, what is His way? What is God's way? Where do we find God's way? In the Scriptures, right. This is where... Though our delight, back to Psalm 1 verse 2, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law does He meditate day and night. But notice the reality, though, in verse 24. Here's the reality. That one, that's his steps are ordered by the Lord, the one who's delighting in his law, says this in verse 24, when he falls. It's interesting the first word is not if, right? It's when. Meaning what? You're going to. You are going to fall. It's not, I might fall, you will fall. Not if, not might, but when you fall, he will not be hurled headlong. We're not fully redeemed yet, are we? No. We're not fully righteous. Romans 6 talks about the war that's going on. Things that I would do, I don't do. The things that I would do, I don't find myself doing. There's a war going on. The battle of my flesh and of my spirit. When he falls, we will fall. What happens? He shall not be cast headlong. Another way it's it's translated. He's not hurled to the ground. He's, He's not left on the ground. 
Turn over to 2 Corinthians 4. Um, the question we have to ask about the text is, what's causing him to fall? Is the fall a sin issue? Or is the fall life? If I can... It, has he fallen because he's chosen sin over the Lord? Or is he fallen because he lives in a fallen world and he gets depressed, he gets discouraged in the way, and he starts questioning the Lord? Or he finds himself being persecuted. Is, is this fall caused by this man's sin or is the fall caused by, I don't know how we could say this, is, is it caused by just, just being a believer and this is the path the Lord has chosen for you to, to suffer? Those who, those who are, are going to be righteous in the Lord will suffer persecution. So the question we have to ask, is the fall here dealing with this man has chosen sin or is it, is it because of life? 2 Corinthians Four. This is this is my life text beginning in verse seven. For we have just treasure in earthen vessels, so that surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not to us. In every way afflicted, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Question. Is that are those sin issues or or is that that's life? We are at times perplexed. We are at times afflicted. We are at times despairing. We are at times persecuting. Now, agree to disagree. Okay. If the footprints of the man are established by the Lord, because this man is delighting in his way. I think what the psalmist, and I think both could be true, but I think what the psalmist is describing here is a man that life is overtaking him. He's being persecuted or he's being protected. Remember the context of the whole chapter is about the wicked. He's comparing the wicked to us and what the wicked does. This man, when he falls, he will not be hurled down. He'll not be left on the ground. The question is, is he hurled down because of, of sin or has he overtaken? And the picture is, when this man falls like that, what is the Lord's response? He's not hurled to the ground. He's not left on the ground because Yahweh is the one who sustains his hand. We're going to talk about this in a minute. Why is he cast down? Is this sin or just trouble or difficulty? And again, I think we end up splitting hairs if we're not careful. But I think it's a good question to ask that I think it applies both to those who, who find themselves choosing sin over the Lord, but I also find it to be true over those who are suffering persecution because of something. They're perplexed. They're driven to despair. Have you ever done that? I remember a... a, a it was uh, John Piper and John MacArthur. You can look it up on YouTube, like everything else you can find on YouTube. And they were talking about, Piper was talking about being depressed. And he was talking about, man, I, I cried for like two days. And the camera looked over at MacArthur, and he's looking at him like, what are you talking about? 
And Piper looked at him and said, you ever been depressed? I've never been depressed a day in my life, he said. Piper looked at him and said, I, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Now, how many of you have ever been depressed? Yeah. Okay. The question is, when we find ourselves like that, what is the Lord's response? Does he leave us on the ground? Not according to the text, he doesn't. He extends his hand. For Yahweh upholds his hand. Yahweh continues... And there's another question that we have to ask about the text. Because Yahweh is the one who sustains his hand, is he talking about that Yahweh continues to hold him by his hand? Or Yahweh catches him by the hand and raises him up again? Sorry, he's splitting hairs. I don't think so. The man who delights in the way of the Lord, his steps are to be established by Yahweh. They're fixed, they're made ready. But when this man falls, he will either by sin or by situation, the Lord will not leave him on the ground. That's the kind of God we have. Now, I don't know, you talk about being depressed. How many of you, let's raise our hand about this. How many of you have, have ever sinned to the point that you really thought, I don't know how the Lord can love me anymore? Yeah. And what's the Lord's response? I'm not going to leave you on the ground. I'll never leave you nor what? Never leave you nor forsake you. When he falls, and he will, either by sin or situation, the Lord will not leave him on the ground. The Lord will not hurl him to the ground. He will not leave him on the ground because he has fallen. But he will take him by the hand and sustain him. Or the Lord will sustain him by his hand. I don't care which one you use. It's either he's taking our hand or his hand is upon us. You ever wondered how big the Lord's hands were? Are? Remember my dad, he had the biggest hands when I was little. But I remember, it was an odd thing, when the, he, I went to, was going to Mexico for a mission trip in, in February of, 1995 and I hugged him goodbye and I looked at his hands and they were withered and old mm -hmm. those hands that I used to be scared of mm -hmm. were withered and old and he said the same thing then and he said every time I love you more than I said I did and that's the last time I saw him but I just remember his hands were withered and old. You understand our God's hands are never withered, nor are they old. They are the same. And whether you're there because of sin, He will not leave you there. And if you're there because of persecution or being perplexed or whatever, God's not going to leave you there either. His hand. Luther said it this way, Let it be so that the righteous falls he still cannot remain lying thus and be cast away. He must up again through all the world doubts of it. For God catches him by the hand and raises him up again. It's as far as I wanted to go tonight. Because we have a God who although we will fall, He'll not leave us on the ground. Yahweh is the one who sustains us, who reminds us, 
that hand may be the disciplining hand of the Lord. Yes. Right? For whom the Lord loves, He what? Chastens. He chastens. I remember that in my dad's hand. I'm scared yes. of that part. But that same hand that delivered punishment, rightfully so, was the same hand that wiped my tears away yes. after it was all over. Yes. And after a while, he told me to dry it up. I don't know if your family did that. But I thought that was terrible. Dry it up. And he's... <laughs> he had a reason for it. I'm not sure I know what it was, but I can imagine what it was. But, but it's the same hand. That's our God. That's Yahweh. He'll not leave you alone. He's not going to leave you there in a ditch. He may discipline you, but He also may just take you by the hand and remind you. And for me, it's fallen because of the situation, because it's a man who's delighted in the Lord, and the Lord has established His steps. And sometimes God's steps for us lead to the valley of the shadow of death. They do. And they lead through suffering, and they lead through pain, and let let and and what a message this is to people like Laverne and others who are living in that situation to realize my steps are ordered by the Lord, every step, and God will not leave me alone. God will not. In fact, He says later, "I've never seen the righteous do what begging bread," and my dad would say, "For long." They might for a while, but not for long. And I can't help but think of Timba coming to get bread. Okay. But that's the God that we serve, folks. That's the God that we serve. Father, we thank you. And Father, I don't know where we are uh, tonight individually. And um, one, we, we praise you to being a God who establishes our steps. You have you've planned them. They're prepared for us as we delight in your ways. Father, when we fall, and we will, we'll fall because of sin and we need your discipline. Yes. Sometimes we fall because of life and it's hard and persecution has come or being perplexed or being crushed by job situations or family situations to realize that the Lord will not leave us on the ground. But His hand will sustain us and lift us up. The same hand that can deliver discipline is the same hand that delivers the bomb that soothes our sores. Father, thank You for being both of those. A God that loves us enough to chasten us, but a God who loves us, who says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Father, we live in a world that wickedness has gone berserk. But Lord, you still established our steps. We can trust in you. Even though this month has been designated as celebrating sin. Father, we're here to be a light. The truth. Father, may we not be discouraged in the way. We've got to be in the world. We don't have to be of it. But we do have to live in it. Help us to live in such a way that we that people see our good works and they talk about God. It's God in Him. So Father, we pray that You bless our times as we turn to prayer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.